There we go. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is the Pro Zone, and joining me today, it's been way too long since we've been trying to get this together, and it's finally together after months and months of mishaps and some fucking pandemic and all this other crap, but <laughs> ring announcer extraordinaire Matt DeCourt is here today. Matt, how the hell are you today, man? I'm doing great, Rick, and, you know, uh, the, we got together over the weekend a little bit, uh, ah, yeah. a little bit at the record store, and uh, yeah. that was some good times, and like you said, this has been in the planning for uh, <laughs> Early quite spring. a while, but, you know, better late than never, <laughs> yeah. as they say. Very, looking right. very forward to... Uh, to our conversation today i don't know what kind of roads we're going to travel but i'm excited to see where the journey takes us so well as i said uh i think yesterday i said i'm not preparing for this we're just going to shoot because uh you know certain people i just like to sit there and just talk and just talk oh, absolutely that's that, that that's how the best conversations come through in my opinion Abs- so absolutely. i'm right there with you my friend so matt when did you discover professional wrestling and you know i think we talked about Ooh. this yesterday so <laughs> yeah it was it was a while ago. I was born in uh, 1988, um, and so by, by the time I discovered wrestling, I was, I think, around, I want to say, 9, 10 years old. It was in middle school because it, right. I, I think my first experience with it was we were at a Halloween party, actually, and a friend of mine had a black coat on, a black tank top, and his face was painted white. And I said, who are you supposed to be? And he said, I'm Sting. And I said, oh. what's a Sting? <laughs> and so then I learned what uh, WCW was. And uh, I learned about uh, the world of professional wrestling. And, uh, and as I'm sure you know, in the uh, mid to late 90s, the Attitude Era, the Monday Night right. Wars were all the rage. Everyone was watching wrestling. And, and that's how I got into it. And uh, been a fan on and off ever since. And definitely more on than than not nowadays that's for yeah sure. <laughs> i gonna say more on for me as well i mean i've been watching close to 40 years i'm gonna be 45 in just a few weeks and i discovered it in probably 1984 so you know it's uh it's been an interesting ride i've never really stopped for more than like a year or two so it's uh there are very little things i don't remember <laughs> that's why i'm called the professor but you know exactly so so um was your earliest memory outside of that Halloween costume? I mean, that's kind of, I find that a little strange that uh, somebody was a WCW character in that uh, you, you grew up in Connecticut? Yes, sir. So I find that kind of weird because, you know, we're in WWE territory. So. Right, right. So Well, I, I think at the time, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, we were we were all watching both. You know, even some mm-hmm. ECW when there. I would sneak mm-hmm. that in every Friday night when so my parents would go out for, you know, to have dinner or go shopping or, or do whatever. And so they'd leave right. me alone and I'd throw that. And I was on TNN at the time. And so I'd, I'd, That's right. as soon as I saw the lights in the drive, I'd be like, oh, sh-, and, you know, trying to turn it off. But, uh, but, yeah, we would watch everything. I think it was just, like I said, it was at a Halloween um thing and so i mean uh, that the character sting at the time kind of lended himself to you know kids dressing up as him right. you know with the face paint and everything and and all that but um but yeah i mean we watched them both back then and and yep. I, I sure did you know my my three favorites at the time were stone cold the rock and goldberg and right. uh sting was very close behind that and then you had your chris jericho's your ravens and and all those and all those folk and it, it's always fun for me looking back and uh remembering the times you know from when i first got into it and all the all right. the characters and performers of of that era why don't you tell us about how you got into it into professional wrestling the business side of it uh like how uh, the i became involved and i should say yes more than <laughs> okay all right sounds good well um the, the story of my life has pretty much been right place right time and and it's been like that for just about everything um, in, in terms of wrestling, uh, there was a time right now I work in, um, basically construction, uh, administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have for most of the past few years, but there was a time where I, my degree is believe it or not in journalism, uh, from the university of Rhode Island, cheap plug oh, right awesome. there. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, uh, that aside, uh, you know, I always wanted to use it. You know, I always wanted to write stories. I wanted to be a sports or entertainment writer. And uh, um, long story short, I got into it late and it didn't really work out. But during that time, I did report for a local paper in East Haven. Um, and one of the big things I took away from that gig was I got to meet and become friendly with a number of 
very cool and interesting people in the East Haven, North Haven area. And one of those people was Big Steve Tracy, the former Dave Paradise, one of the Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling Four with Paul Roma, Paul Perez, Mario Mancini. And um, he he just asked me one day after we were talking about um, stuff for a news story I was working on. He said, hey, Matt, do you like wrestling? And I said, I sure do, Steve. <laughs> and uh, he invited me to go see a show. And I went as a fan and I really enjoyed it. And uh, a few weeks later, I was talking to him again. And I was actually about getting ready to leave the paper at the time. Um, like I said, it's just it was just too late, you know, in my personal life to try and go into a career that doesn't pay very much to start off on. Right. And yeah. so yeah, I had to. But either way, um, that that's another story for another day. But um, so I said, all right, yeah, no, I'd love to get involved. You know, it won't be a conflict of interest since I'm leaving the paper. And uh, I've, shit, you know, getting involved in a wrestling promotion would would childhood dream. And right. And so I, he put me in touch with Mario. Mario put me in touch with Big Daddy. And I got my start uh, doing commentary at like a, two or three matches a night on the big shows with Big Daddy. And, uh, you know, him and I had a pretty good chemistry. You know, he's one of my mentors in terms of, you know, not just commentating, but also ring announcing and right. uh, social media presence as well. He really pushed me uh, with that. So, you know, big props to Big Daddy for that. And... And also just, you know, big shout out to Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling as a whole. I, I mentioned Big Steve, Mario, Paul Perez, Paul Roma. You know, they, they took a shot on me when they absolutely didn't have to, you know. And th without them uh, letting me, you know, get my feet wet and, and experimenting a little bit, there would be no Matt DeCourt. You know, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. So right. always big shout out, big thank you to them. And... And, yeah, so just getting back to that, you know, I did the commentary for a while, and uh, there was a needed ring announcer one night, and uh, Mario went up to me the week before the show, because uh, we were running back-to-back uh, -back weekends, and he said, hey, kid, can you practice in the mirror for me? And I said, why is that? And he's like, he points in the ring, he goes, that's going to be you next week. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> wow. So, and I, I always, you know, through what people had told me, I kind of knew that, you know, I had the quote unquote voice for radio or face oh, yeah. for radio or whatever, um, <laughs> whatever the saying was, but, uh, right. I never knew like I could be, I, I never had done anything like that really before, except for a few open mics with, you know, some friends, you know, rock bands and, right. And it was really fun to pull it out of me. And the first time I did it, I was so raw. Like Bill Thompson will tell you, he saw me with the card in my hand and my hand was shaking like just uncontrollably. And, and just because I was so nervous slash excited to do it. And now it's, it's second nature and I absolutely love right. it. And, and I'm just so glad I got this opportunity and I'm very glad I've been able to take it farther than I've ever could have imagined. So that's awesome. Um, so you took to it pretty good as far as the uh, commentator for the shows as well. Um, like you said, you mentored under Big Daddy. Did you yeah. like, you know, I, I'm sure there's a sense of nervousness, but you took to it pretty like uh, oh, yeah. right away. It's like, I know there's probably some botches, you know, maybe, I don't know. But because um, I wouldn't, me, myself, I'm, I'm nervous every time I turn on the microphone. <laughs> so I always got to, uh, if I'm doing something myself, I got to record it three or four times or, or else. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, but sometimes I just fucking edit the show and just, you know, put it up as it is. So, yeah. And, so, and that's one, one thing ahead. that going along those lines, one thing that Big Daddy always taught me is that, you know, there's no yep. such thing as a perfect broadcast. And right. especially yep. with me, you know, I, I'm my own worst critic. And and even if there are 10 out of 10 people I talk to, you know, whether it's, you know, commentary, ring announcing interviews, what have you say. Oh, you did such a great job. There's always one thing, no matter how big or little it is, that's in my head that I said I could have done that better. And but that's the thing is is you know, I I like to stay humble, and I I know in this business how quickly it can it can all go away. And right. so I just remind myself to stay humble, stay hungry, and keep grinding. And uh, again, I just want to see how far I can take it. So. So Paradise Alley was the first uh, promotion that you worked with. You've branched out in the last, what, year, year and a half to different uh, organizations as well? Um, yeah, yeah. With, say, Shut Up and the Wrestle, uh, mm -hmm. Texas Strength, and mm -hmm. there's, an, there's another one there, too, right? Another one. Yeah, the, the, mo the most recent one um, is uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Um, that, 
uh, Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling original Dustin Flash Waller is um, in the main event picture there with uh, okay. Blood, Sweat, and Tears champion Lucas Chase. They've had a, a big uh, a big feud going on, a big rivalry, and it's been brewing over the past few months. And you know they've yeah. been on uh, the top rope report, Mr. Trivia, um, who I think you and I are both familiar with. Shout and, out! Uh, I, I've been on his show before. <laughs> he, he's been on here before as well, and. Looking to get those guys back on here at some time in the future. They're a good bunch of guys. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. And fun, fun, fun little fact about them is that they were the first uh, like kind of podcast slash interview radio show, whatever you want to call it, that I ever did. So, so oh, shout out to yeah. those guys as well. And yeah. Um, and yeah, so they uh, that's been building. They got a and they had a small ring in um, in uh, their last two shows that they did, but that was I think mostly because of. Uh, you know, the guidelines with, you know, the, the, the pandemic going on and, you know, they right. had to maximize the space and whatnot, but they pulled off uh, two really good shows and um, what they're doing is working because uh, the, when Flash came out that one time, it had, he had a big 450 on Lucas, the place really? just erupted. And, and that's wow. how you know, that, that's how you know it's working. So I've so seen some was... clips, I've seen some clips on Facebook and I haven't watched the whole shows as of yet, but it seems like a really cool, uh, little cool, you know, cool promotion and, uh, mm-hmm. that room, that room that they're, that they're, uh, promoting in this really small, the, uh, yeah. the, state, the, the venue. Yeah. I think, um, what'd you say yesterday? Did it's less than a hundred people fit in there or no? Uh, I don't know what the tops are because, um, you know, obviously I, I haven't, uh, done a show for them um, in the in the pre-COVID era. It was only mm-hmm. in the current you know era, unfortunately. Right. But um, so it's kind of hard to gauge because they they had, I think they had to, with the guidelines you have to cap it at a certain amount of people. Right. I'm not sure what the exact number is, um, but as far as I know, both their shows were sold out, and so yeah, that's a good thing. You know, the the, the there was. I say that because not only is it a good thing because I want Blood, Sweat, and Tears to be successful because I think they have a good thing going, but just for the independent industry as a whole because they took the right. biggest hit. Um, and unfortunately, you know, not all these promotions are like uh, WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling where they can afford to put on uh, empty arena shows with a TV deal and still get revenue right. to continue to produce. And I was very concerned that a lot of it was going to go away. And just based on the receptions, like I said, the fact that even though it was limited numbers, the people did come out, um, that that gives me hope that, you know, everything is, it may not go back completely to normal, but at the very least, it's going to be okay. So I think prior to the pandemic, like really taking over, the independent scene was like basically on fire, the hottest Mm -hmm. it's been in a number of years. It was like, for sure. I think. I think in one night in Paradise Alley, it was at the Annex. I was talking to Big Daddy, and he's telling me there's like six shows that particular night in the state. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man, that's that's freaking crazy. Because I'm just like, I'm always looking for shows. If there's not the Paradise mm-hmm. Alley show, it's like you guys are closest to me. I'll definitely go to you guys. But I'm always looking for other shows when there's nothing on. I was just like, it's, sometimes it's uh, you don't always hear about these shows. I'm just like, right. How is there six shows in the states? I remember for a long time, especially in the earlier two thousands, is a very uh, dark period in professional wrestling. Mm. It was like you'd be lucky if you got one show a month or once every other month. I remember Connecticut uh, Championship Wrestling was a group that would run every two months or something like that, and they were a lot of fun. Big Daddy would actually did commentary right. with them too. I remember back in the day. So. Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. And Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, just going along that, I mean, before um, everything stopped in March, there was there, there was independent shows up and down the you know New England tri-state area, probably at least two or three, yeah. Monday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every weekend. And yeah. it, they, they were good houses there, too. So yeah. It was, and, and that's like I said, that's a great thing because you look at you know WWE and AEW, and they're going to need to get new talent at some point from places. Absolutely. So the more, more the independents thrive, the more these other promotions can. It's a very symbiotic relationship, and right. And I don't know if it'll go back to you know the the volume that we had uh, back in yeah. you know, March and prior, but like I said, if we can get close, then that's a win in my book. So. I think right now it's like a testing period as to uh, mm-hmm. see what's going to happen. I mean, you guys just ran three shows in one day. I was <laughs> there for 
good portion of it. Uh, it was long, it was, but it was fun, and it was such a relief to go and get out and go to a live wrestling show because, mm-hmm. like, you know, prior to the pandemic, I was at pretty much, you know, you guys were running a show once or twice a month, sometimes three times in a month, and I was, you know, it's... And then all of a sudden, it just dropped off, and for six months, there's absolutely nothing. And so it's mm-hmm. like... It was uh, it was a big relief to actually get out and go to uh, to a show, and it was a lot of fun. See some sm- uh, me, see some familiar faces, and then see a bunch of new talent that came in uh, to the venue too, which was also very cool that I had never uh, seen in that promotion. So that was that was a lot of fun as well. Oh yeah, and it, it, again, a lot of the same sentiments and. What was what was special about that to me was, uh, you know, I had actually after I, I, I did one kind of like undisclosed, like, you know, YouTube only show uh, for a promotion called WCWE um, yep. a little earlier. But even then, that was only that was the only one I had from March. Well, it, unless you also want to count the, the empty arena stuff that PAPW did, too. Yep. I was a part of the uh, big Jim Anderson uh, uh, Bull Dread uh match whether I wanted to or not I just kind of got sucked (laughs) into it but um um, yeah not counting those things like uh, up until last month I just I just had that you know the the couple PAPW things and the one WCWE undisclosed and uh it was tough because you know I I do what I do because I love it you know it doesn't matter if I make five dollars twenty dollars fifty dollars a thousand dollars you know i I do it because this is some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. And it, it's a chance to show a different side of me that, you know, people right. at face value probably wouldn't, you know, realize that, you know, I can get, I like getting dressed up all nice in a suit, you know, every weekend and, and, you know, say wrestlers names real nicely into a microphone. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, not having that, it was, it was just so tough because, right. And, and not only that, too, you know, there was there was no movies coming out, you know, which is something I like. Right. You could go yeah. to the casino, no concerts. Like, oh, there was the, just... that's, the concert thing is the one that's killing me as well outside of professional wrestling. Cause, oh, you know, for sure. I'm always going to places like, you know, Cafe Nine or Toads mm-hmm. or wherever to go to shows or the casino even, you know. Exactly, yeah. But nothing, all, everything that was coming up was just washed away. Like, anything that was really cool that was coming up and then, ZZ Top was supposed to be coming to town, and that was just taken away because I was really looking forward to it, you know? Oh, man. No, I can only imagine. I hear you. And and that's that's kind of what was so great about it because once August started, I went from, you know, basically, you know, having, you know, one or two things to all of a sudden having four shows, one of it, which was actually three in one day. Right. So, and, you know, I'm, I'm just very grateful that, you know, knock on wood, Connecticut's been doing real well and we've been able to do something and, you know, big shout out to blood, sweat and tears to uh test of strength. And of course, paradise alley for right. being putting on, you know, all, you know, being able to put on all these events and being able to do it in a safe manner. And right. uh, again, a big props to all the fans that came out too, for, you know, wearing their masks, you know, staying distance and following the rules. Because without all that stuff, without those protocols, you know, we probably wouldn't be able to do this. So right. I'm very fortunate because I was getting pretty stir crazy towards <laughs> a, a few uh, months ago. Yeah, me too. And uh, I'm sure you've seen that I've uh, spent quite a bit of money on wrestling merchandise just to keep myself, uh, could spend you, it at you, shows. I, I've so seen can... your unboxing videos, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I've been buying, you know, DVDs, autographs. I've been, you know, I think I've amassed like a really intense autograph collection in the last like six months, which is never really went too crazy on them. But once you start seeing little things, I'm like, oh man, I need that. I need that. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's just. And I think I've also purchased something like 60 wrestling shirts in that whole entire time. So I'm just like, I need to calm down. I finally calmed down. I finally calmed down. So it's just like it's becoming a once-a-month thing rather than getting four or five packages a week. And so, as, as a it, fellow it, collector, I completely understand. Yeah. I, 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 you're, I, yeah, I noticed that you're a thrift store junkie as well, kind of like similar to me as oh, well. Yeah. And uh, we've discussed this before that you're, you know, you go, you collect VHS tapes, DVDs, records, uh, all sorts of random stuff. And uh, comic book stuff too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a physical media junkie. Um, Me too. Yeah, and so it's not only that too, but I'm also you know like a, like you said a big collector of everything. You know, I yep. I 
you know, being an only child, you know, I'm kind of fortunate, you know, to, right. you know, well, I shouldn't say. It was just one of those things. I think it was just because I, I was just so used to, you know, getting what I wanted, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, I just, you know, like you were saying, right. there's something like, you know, if I'm just like walking down and I'm just like, oh, this is C- CD looks cool. I'm just going to get it, you know, and, yes. and, but you know, thankfully, I am, you know, good with my money. I, I just, you know, I think right. I told you, I just uh, moved into a, a condo, very first time homeowner. Congratulations. So, um, thank you, thank you. So, uh, so I am smart with it. But, you know, if I see something good for, you know, 10, 15 bucks, I can spare that, you know, once every yeah. week. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what drew you to, because you grew up in an era where VHS tapes were kind of out of moving out, right? I mean, by the time mm-hmm. you were getting old enough. What made you decide to start purchasing them? I think I think you started purchasing them. If I'm yeah, well, it was, yeah. it was one of those things where it's it was always just kind of fun to see like people's right. reactions because you know we live in you know the streaming era as I'll call it now. All right. right, yeah, you're right. Where a lot yep. of people are just doing away with you know not only cable but you know all kinds of physical media, right. and I just remember I uh, a few years ago I lived with a couple of friends and uh, one of them was dating a girl at the time. And she came over and she noticed, she's like, oh, my God, you still have a VHS player? And she's like, do you have any tapes? And I was was like, oh, yeah, let me show you what I got. (laughs) And, you know, I have, like, a bunch of old Adam Sandler ones, like, you know, like Billy Madison, uh, Happy Gilmore. Um, And then uh, I I think they actually settled on uh, Twister with Bill Paxton. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I got to admit, it's a pretty guilty pleasure for me. But, but yeah, it's just one of those things, too, like... uh, Every now and then, like if I didn't have uh, like a wrestling show book, you know, before the pandemic era, you know, there was a where I lived in East Haven, there was a Goodwill right down the street. So yeah. you go there, most of the time they have like 50, you know, 50% off sales, like just about every other weekend. Absolutely. So, um, is, is that the one on Fox and Road? Is that, is that the one you're referring to? Um, or? It's, it's the one that's right over the Brantford East Haven line. Gotcha. Uh, I over by Brantford yep. Hill. Yep. Yeah, that's a so, good one. That's a good one because I used yeah. to. I lived. I lived over there, uh, in between marriages, but <laughs> but um, the laundromat that's around the corner. That's where I used to go and do my laundry. So I used to spend all my time in that Goodwill, and gotcha. I used to come up. I used to. I'm not only am I you know similar to you with collecting physical media, but I'm also like a stereo junkie. If I see a stereo that's in a Goodwill, I'm just gonna take it and buy it, and just. I, at one time, I had stereos just stacked up in my <laughs> fucking basement and stuff, and it's uh, it's made me bond with Vince Russo not so long ago on social media because <laughs> so he's, he's also like a, a huge stereo uh, collector as well. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, there there are times that I've walked in there and I, I spent two dollars and I will walk out, you know, with like the Terminator, yeah. Halloween, and two Ted Nugent yeah. records, and. <laughs> And uh, I'm just like for two dollars, it's like, geez, it's not bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like I, I've I've done far worse things with two dollars than you know spend it on stuff like that. And yeah. it, and like I said, it's just cool too because you know with the VHSs, it's just something where I, I got to admit I'm a little weird in my philosophy, but it's just like I, I I just want people to remember it, you know. And if I could be like right. a catalyst to that, like oh my god, somebody still has this, you know, it's it's almost like an right. antique for like right now, kind of. And so, so that's my logic with that is that it's just, you know, I, I like preserving technology from a bygone era. And that's not, uh, a, bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I got my yeah. 14 year old, I have my 14 year old son now is uh, buying VHS tapes, going down to the thrift stores. We usually, when they come and visit, we go hit up every thrift store in New Haven or Hamden. His big thing is collecting old, like, uh, cartoons or like oh. superhero, superhero stuff that's on, uh, VHS, like we actually got the uh, the 1960s Batman movie on VHS. No way! He, yeah, that and a bunch of those type. Uh, Scooby Doo, he's a huge Scooby Doo fan and nice. Anna Barbera fan. So he, you know, so he at 14 years old. And the last time I heard here this weekend, he actually hooked up the VCR and started watching a bunch of the stuff that we had. So it's kind of cool. They <laughs> see that, that's so cool to me because like all yeah. that stuff you mentioned, the Scooby Doo, the Hanna Barbera, that's what I yeah. grew up on right there. That's all so, stuff I grew up on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. I mean, if I was in your household, I'd probably be sitting right there with you guys watching it. So <laughs> we'll have to arrange that sometime. <laughs> so go through the go through I the collection, it, my friend. Yeah. So you also collect records as well. Oh hell yeah. And, 
What's your primary thing? I remember yesterday you said you had a bunch of crates full of records. What what, what kind of stuff do you got there? You know, it's, it's kind of funny because um, I, I, I got a couple of things at the store the other day, and I actually wanted to check and make sure I didn't have them on any other formats. <laughs> right. I wasn't quite sure because it, it just it's, it's gotten a little ridiculous. But um, <laughs> it is under control now, thankfully. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it, my primary go-to is, is heavy metal. Um, right. heavy, heavy metal came along at a point in my life where I needed something to kind of latch onto to try right. and, you know, feel like a sense of belonging. And you know, for all the, you know, stereotypes that, you know, people want to give the heavy metal community, it's one of the most accepting communities that there is, you know, is. I, I can't yep. tell you the amount of times that I've, been out we're waiting in line outside uh outside of you know a club or a venue and you know the the guy in front of me is wearing you know had some crazy haircut wearing like a leather jacket with all kinds of patches and smoking a cigarette you know turn to me look at my shirt and he'll be like dude that's a killer shirt and then you know you hit it off and you make and friends you, you were yep. talking to him the whole time and and that was always just so cool to me um and so yeah because of that you know because of you know the it's just i i like it you know i I love all kinds of heavy metal glam right. metal new metal thrash death you know all, all encompassing if, if, if it's right. if it's got metal in it i'll at least give it a chance and so <laughs> right. and so, so what's your, what is your favorite band my favorite Down. band is actually um they're pretty unknown even by metal well i shouldn't say even by metal standards but um they're a band called nevermore um I've heard of them. I, yeah, no, I think that's a little bit past the time that I was listening to that kind of music. But yeah, yeah, I know, they. I know they the name. First started coming out in the mid '90s. I obviously didn't hear about them until about 2005-ish. I want to say, um, mm-hmm. but they're one of the most unique bands I've ever heard. Probably one, of, yeah, definitely one of the most unique bands I've ever heard, and one of the best. Um, my personal favorite, obviously, but. Um, you right. know, their, their lead singer is a guy, uh, you know, rest in peace, World Dane. Um, he unfortunately passed a few years ago, but he had one of the most unique voices, vocal ranges in, in heavy metal and hard rock. Uh, their guitarist, Jeff Loomis, uh, for a while, he played exclusively seven strings guitar. And, really? Oh, yeah. And he... Some of the chords and and just and riffs and and progressions and songs that he would do was just absolutely mind blowing. Not to not to mention the fact that his solos were both incredibly technical and ridiculously fast. And so, in my opinion, he's probably well. He's my favorite guitarist. I think he's the best guitarist on the planet. Obviously, there are some people that would debate that with me, right. rightfully so. But um, in my opinion, that at the very least, he should be considered up there in the top echelon of greatest all-time players. Um, and it's just rounded out by a great rhythm section, uh, Van Williams and Jim Shepard. And together right. they... And the last album that they made together was in 2010. And okay. one of the things I really liked about them was that all of their albums sounded different, but distinctly them, if you can kind you of... Yeah, they, they had a, a sound, but they progressed or... Right, and they they changed it up, but at the same time, you could hear a song and just instantly know it's them, no matter you know how it sounded. And right. their last album was kind of like the perfect combination of everything that they had ever done, and mm-hmm. it, to me, it was their magnum opus. And you know, just the fact that to me, they ended on their best work, it it kind of just makes it you know it, it kind of right. sucks because at the same time, you want to see them continue. And you know, like I said, with Worrell's passing, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen, but. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, it, it goes back to the age old question. Is it better to burn out or fade away? So <laughs> there's many bands, you know, that I've, uh, my favorite band probably actually my two favorite bands probably continued way long and they probably should have, uh, one has been around for close to 50 years now. Cheap trick. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, for me in the early seventies and, uh, as much as I love them, I do believe that uh, they do come out with a good record every now and again, but um, some of it's kind of, you know, <laughs> mediocre. Maybe they should have just saved all those good songs for a record and not put them out as frequently. But there's also uh, R.E.M., you know, and I think that they had a couple stinkers in their later days. But uh, I think oh, the yeah. record that they, I think the record that they closed with when they broke up was a phenomenal record. I still, I love that. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you a fan of black metal at all? 
Uh, not as much <laughs> as as other genres, but yeah, no, I, I, right. I will listen to it. And it, it's kind of crazy because like there's all kinds of subcategories too. There's like some oh, yeah. black metal, um, like your Dimmu Borgers or uh, right. Or um, you know some other bands, but yeah, no, like I said, I'll give anything a chance. And some of that symphonic stuff is actually pretty cool. So some of it's some of it's uh, it's become really strange that there's mm-hmm. so many subcategories. I mean, black metal in itself is a is a subgenre, but yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna pull out a DVD. I was just looking for it. Uh, sure. Have you ever seen or a Blu-ray rather? Have you ever seen Lords of Chaos? I want to say it. I've heard of it, but I, I I can't say for sure. Refresh my memory. You know the band Mayhem, the uh, singer. Yes, yes, buddy, yes, he, yes, you know, yes. He killed yes, his yes. buddy. There was a book. The book is phenomenal. And then there's a documentary as well. This is like the uh, the film, like the film based on the whole uh-huh. entire story, starring Macaulay Culkin's brother. What's his name, Rory or whatever? Wow! But I just no got way. this. I just got this recently. I haven't opened it yet, but uh, the story is a very interesting story. And, um, I got it. I subscribe to like a horror uh, Blu-ray thing, like a mystery box that I get every month. Cool. So, uh, they they give you four random horror Blu-rays, and this was in the the last one. I got a little excited because I read the book before, and it was really interesting. Very yeah. The ma- mayhem is oh. definitely their story for sure. It's pretty it's crazy. That yeah. is, <laughs> let's just say it's interesting at. Uh... At the very right. least, but it it, it fascinating really in, in a weird way, yeah. yeah. It, but it is very uh, fascinating. There was a lot of really weird news stories back in the day around that whole entire thing. That you go on YouTube, you can watch a lot of weird like uh, news clips based on that. Oh yeah. Uh, so you also mentioned that you did open mics, and uh, I believe yes. I heard you at one time say that you performed in some garage bands here and there. Why don't you enlighten me? Tell me a little well, more. Th- there, there was nothing ever really too official. Um, I, I have a couple of friends who are, you know, pretty good musicians. Like one of my friends is a very skilled drummer. Uh, another one is a really good songwriter. He's also a pretty good guitarist. And uh, for a while, they got together and uh, they had a band going. They would play local venues and they would, you know, do some open mic work um, at a at a place in uh, West Haven. I believe it was called oh, what that was Savin Rock. I think Savin Rock Roasting Ooh. Company. I think that's yeah, somewhere that's, down West Haven. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I, I've heard of that before. I used to live down in that yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. And they so used the, to do a lot of that stuff there. A lot of like uh, bands used to play there quite frequently. Yeah, yeah. And so every now and then, because like I, I was a, like I said, I always had a penchant, you know, for being like a front man or like you know an MC or something like that. Right. So so they would uh, they would say, oh hey, do you want to do this song with us? Do you want to do this song with us? And and, you know, every now and then I just, oh, yeah, you know, we do a couple songs here and there. And uh, there was one night in particular where um, I, I was, you know, getting ready to go to bed. I had had a long week and uh, it was on a Sunday. And so they were just like, oh, come on, come on. You got to come out and do this the glow light theme, this and that. And I'm just like, all right, fine, whatever. So I, I chugged a glass, of, uh, a cup of coffee. Um, I, I went down there in my Stardust mask. I had like some Mardi Gras beads <laughs> that one of my roommates had lying around the house. Some other crazy stuff i just threw on and i looked like an idiot and like i was just you know like pelvic thrusting the mic rolling around on the floor and i thought you know i was gonna get kicked out and that's kind of what i wanted because i really just wanted to go home and go to bed but (laughs) lo and behold everybody like i shouldn't say everybody but like half the people in there were coming up to me afterwards they're like dude that was like that was awesome like you rocked out so hard on there i was like Really? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, and that that's kind of when I kind of realized, I was like, yeah, I might be able to do something with this, you know? <laughs> right, right. So going back to professional wrestling, I know uh, one of the time, last time I talked to you, you said uh, you stopped watching for a little while. Obviously, you were getting older, college age, started chasing girls around. That's what happens at that age. <laughs> and then you ended up getting back into it. And what year did you end up getting back into it? Uh, I, I want to say... I I, I know exactly when it was. It was uh, right. when did WWE Network launch? Six years ago, probably. Yeah, that, that's uh, been... that's exactly it. Because it was right. it was right around the advent of network launching when I got back right. into it. Um, right. And well, I shouldn't say that. I had started getting back into it in 2011 because <laughs> um, before I stopped, before I took a hiatus altogether. Um, which was around 
2007, 2008, I was strictly watching uh, TNA, Impact, whatever it was called at the time, and, and like Ring of Honor, CZW, and any other independent stuff I could find on YouTube at the time before right. you know, there was all those restrictions and regulations and whatnot. Right. And, and so the reason why I kind of got back into it then was because in 2011, that was when CM Punk started really making a name for himself. Right. Um, so, and he was one of my favorites at the time, you know, I'd watched the, uh, trilogy of matches that he had with Samoa Joe. Those were excellent. Um, he was a gifted talker. He was mm-hmm. unique in the ring. Um, he had a move set that I really hadn't, uh, seen at the time. And, and right. that's kind of when, you know, I kind of got into that style of wrestling that, you know, the ring of right. honors, the impacts were doing, um, and so when he started, you know, breaking out there, then that's when I started. I was really only paying attention to him, but there were some other things too that caught my eye. Uh, the Kofi Kingston slash uh, Evan Bourne, Matt Seidel, whatever he was going by at the time, tag team. Right. Uh, they were tag team champions. Um, unfortunately, that didn't last that long, but when it did, I thought it was really good. Um, so that was kind of going on at the time too. Um, and so that kind of was in the back of my mind that that was going on. But then, I, you know, as the punk run kind of fizzled out a little bit. Then I started fizzling right. out again too. But what brought me back to it then was uh, when the network era started was because all the other guys I was watching on the independence at the time, um, you know, your Claudio Casagnoli's who's Cesaro now, um, yep. uh, Daniel Bryan, you know, was getting to be his turn at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 30, the uh, yes, right. or whatever they wanted to call it. Um, <laughs> that was going right. on. Um, he was there. Um, and then there were, uh, you know, the Seth Rollins, uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, the, the Shield. The Shield was killing it. Um, and to me, they should have kept them together a lot longer than they did. But... I feel that way. They had a really good run in NXT. And it's always when something really is awesome in NXT and then comes up to the main roster and then it just gets wiped out, like, relatively quickly. Yeah. So you, you get what I'm saying. It's like, oh, God, yeah. Know, and, that's and speaking of which, too, what, what really sold me on getting back into it was um, the match that sucked me back in was I saw Cesaro wrestle John Cena. And at first I put it on as like me and my friend had were, it was it was like a Saturday night. We weren't doing anything for whatever reason. Yeah. And they, they were doing like, you know, the two hour truncated version on some other you know, USA offshoot. Yeah, it's network. like the re- yeah, like the replays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so there there was corporate cane was was a thing at the time. So we put it on. We were just ripping on that. We're just like, what the right? Like cane needs to be with fire and brimstone. What is it with the suits right. and the bald yep. head? Like no. So so we were just riffing on that. But then Cesaro and John Cena came on. We were dead silent through the whole thing. And then after it was over, I looked at him. I was like. Wow. That like a really good match, or was that just me? <laughs> no, I, I gotta, t- I gotta tell you, like that's one of Cena's best matches. I think is, um, I always knocked him uh, because he was corny, but I always admired his work that he would do outside of wrestling, his charity work. So you know, it's like, yeah, I think he's a boring wrestler. He's corny, but he's a really good human being. Oh sure. And, I saw, and then I saw him wrestle Claudio, and I saw him wrestle CM Punk, where you know when they were doing the two belts and. It's the first time I'd ever seen John Cena actually mat wrestle and do like chain wrestling. And I was just like, holy shit, this guy can actually match punk move for move. So I ended up changing my opinion on him, but I still didn't become a fan. But, you know, I just. <laughs> I, know, I hear you because I, I, I was like, in the same boat, you know, the, yeah. back in when they were doing the uh, ECW one night stand when he came out against right. Rob Van Dam and people were just crapping. <laughs> I, that was that was like freaking Mardi Gras for me. Like. <laughs> I thought but, it was hilarious then, the sign the sign that was held up if Cena wins we riot and I was just yeah. like it's true though they probably would yeah oh, that crowd they would have ECW yeah, they, they were torn yeah. down that ring that was but, just a warning uh, it wasn't it wasn't a joke it was a warning no, that, that, that wasn't uh, what what is, what does Paul Heyman say it's not a spoiler it's not a prediction it's a spoiler or whatever right. yeah 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 so but um but yeah no and. I, I kind of feel the same way about that, too, because, you know, for a while it was a cool thing, you know, to make fun and hate on John Cena. Right. It's right. like you look at it like what were some of the best matches um, during the modern era? John Cena against CM Punk, John Cena against Daniel Bryan, 
John right. Cena versus Cesaro, John Cena right. versus Kevin Owens. What's the one common denominator there? Cena, right. So and he shows that he could just not be just a character. He could wrestle when he's put in there, uh, you know, with the right guys. to, And he can go move for move with a lot of these guys. So he just, mm-hmm. you know, he's built up as a character to do a certain thing and get over and suck in that mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that you summed it up perfectly there. And that's another thing we talked about too was you know during this pandemic era is, is the no crowds, and right. the one thing that you know even if you know Cena was a little behind those other guys, the one right. thing that brought it back was the fact that no matter if they were booing him or cheering him, he always got the crowd to work with it, and that the crowd, especially in WWE and especially especially in NXT, that right. is played to me is what part of, is a big part of what makes it special. The other thing about Cena is that he didn't care if he got booed. He embraced it, you know, mm-hmm. and, he, and he would sit there. He was still having a good time, and he would smile and keep going. He liked it. And, yeah. You know, it's like, I know you hate me, but they're paying <laughs> me to do this, you know? <laughs> so I'm yeah. doing it. You know, he would exactly. goof on it when he, when he went out there. But, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, we're talking about Cena against Claudio, and I'm surprised that they've never given Claudio the title uh, you know, he's show, been shown to be a really good hand, and a lot of people are like, he doesn't have that personality. He needs a talker. But I'm just like, he's one of the greatest wrestlers they've had there in the last, what, 15, 20 years as far as, like, pure wrestling. I mean, for my money, he's probably the best all-around wrestler there is right now. And that guy is incredible. Like, he's got an incredible strength. He's just, he, um, I know he's like a superhuman. You know, it's like I've heard some crazy stories about his exercise regimen. Oh, and, yeah. You know, so I, I remember I used to watch him. Uh, did you ever go to the Wrestle Jam events ever, like when they were in Connecticut? Um, I caught one that they did in East Haven. Um, I wonder if I, was I forgot when it was, it was. It was it was like about a year, I think, before I started working for PAPW or something like that. Oh, OK. Yeah, it was, it was right around seeing, that time uh, that I was. Was Claudio? I don't think he was there because I remember seeing Claudio here in uh, he wrestled that one in Hamden uh, at right. the Elks Lodge, and it was yeah. you know that guy that guy is quite impressive, you know. It was, oh yeah, it was probably like a year or so before he signed with WWE, if if I remember, mm-hmm. you know, the time. Sometimes the memory is a little hazy when it comes to time periods and when people move over, but yeah, yeah. But no, I, I can I can definitely corroborate that he was on those cards because uh, the show yeah. I went to was a charity show for a, a little girl okay. fighting cancer. And I and so all their merch sales were going directly to the charity. So I bought um, one of their DVDs, and he was in like two or three of the matches. And that's part of the reason why I bought it, you know, so right. because he, he is one of my favorite. Because just watching him in the ring, he can do stuff that that no one else can do, and yeah. he makes everybody look like a million bucks. And it's just he so does, much he, fun to that's watch. What, that's what he did with Cena. He made him look like a million bucks. I mean, you know, that was a phenomenal match. And the funny thing about it, I'm going to say it again, it's like right there at that time period when he had that match with Cena, my immediate thought was that was such a phenomenal match to put in the belt on him next time. And they never did, you know? So I was like, I was built up for it. Like I was really thinking that they were going to do that at that time period. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny too, because people mention the personality thing and, you know, obviously we've all had, more time than, than normal, you know, with, uh, with, you know, all the pandemic stuff, not being able to go do things. Um, right. so one of the things that I started to watch was, uh, Xavier Woods's YouTube channel past the time okay. a little bit. And, uh, he does, um, he plays like video games and like board games with, uh, Adam Cole, Cesaro okay. and Tyler Breeze. And it's pretty interesting. <laughs> it, it, it really is. And like, obviously if you don't like video games, like, but right. if you're, like, a big wrestling fan, like, I would say just give it a shot just because the banter okay. between those guys is right. hysterical. Like, and, and he, Cesaro just shows so much personality on that channel. It's like, if you could just take, like, just a fraction of that and, and put it into put a it wrestling into persona, yeah, you got a star. You, you might get him over. All right. Mm-hmm. That's pretty pretty interesting. A yeah. lot of, One of the things that uh, a lot of the companies are doing uh, – you know, they can't have live crowds or some even some of the indie wrestlers and some of the organizations they're doing uh creating online content and you know some sort of online content uh to try to keep the names out there to keep oh, yeah. uh, interest in there and i think that's been a really good thing uh for the scene in general because mm-hmm. you know they can't run events 
can't run events, but I mean, they're you know, because they don't have the money at AEW or WWE or uh, Impact to, you know, the sponsorships to throw the money into to continue TV taping. So what's some of your favorite outside of Xavier Woods? Uh, what are some of your favorite, uh, you know, online uh, streamers, whether it be Twitch or YouTube or what, what have you? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, what do I do? I watch, uh, I get most of my wrestling news uh, from um, this uh, this group from the actually a bunch of British guys called Cultaholic. And so they, they okay. put out these news videos that come out every morning. So it's like as I wake up, you know, as I'm you know, right. getting dressed in the morning, I'll just throw on the news video. It's like usually about 10, 10, 15 minutes long. So by the time, you know, I brush my teeth, throw on my clothes and whatnot, I've got all my wrestling news, you know, for the day right. um, from that. So um, they're pretty good. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I well, I shouldn't say. Well, before I moved, um, I had about a 25 half, uh, 25 minute half hour drive to work, depending on how long long the lines were for coffee. So, um, <laughs> so it's most uh, important, most important part of my day is the whole, literally. Uh, so. If I don't have it, I'm 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 done. So you know, you don't yeah. want to be around me. But I drink, <laughs> I drink about a I drink about a pot of coffee myself a day, and you know, and at night I've been drinking iced coffee, which is such a bad thing because I end up waking up. Like, you know, staying awake super late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, oh, yeah. go ahead. Buddy. No, it's all good. But um, uh, now I'm much closer to work, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up with the volume I did. But, you know, I've listened to uh, a lot of the Conrad Thompson podcasts. Um, right. Yeah. I think I think he does a great job, you know, with all the research he does to get, you know, the stories out of, you know, whether it's Jim Ross, Bruce Pritchard, uh, Arn Anderson, Shivani, yeah. you know, whoever. Um, and he's got a good, great dynamic with all those guys, and you know those are a lot of fun to listen to. They're they're long as hell, but they're a lot of fun to listen to. And they really are. Speaking of the Arn Anderson one, I got this recently, hey. so long ago. That's nice. uh, we use use that for the uh, for the podcast that logo for a while. So cool. Um, Arn Anderson, I've said this many times, is my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, Chris Benoit is number two, but Arn is to me is the greatest. So mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I think that's a really good podcast is the one with Conrad. It's just sometimes that uh, Arn does not have a very exciting voice. <laughs> so yeah. it's not, you know, he, he has some good stories. He's just not delivering them very well. So. Right, right. It's kind of the opposite with Shivani. Shivani sometimes doesn't have the best stories, but he's got a good delivery. So it's... I think, you know, I never knew until Shivani started put, doing a podcast that Shivani was as funny as he was or that much of a dick, like, in real life. Because I find right. it hilarious that, that he really is because he always just seemed kind of like, a, you know, a nerd, like a nerdy or straight, you know, straight right, guy. Straight man, and, yeah. And yeah, but uh, and he comes in here, he says the most ridiculous stuff on his <laughs> podcast sometimes. And it's, it's really like... Talking about porn stars being fans of the <laughs> yeah. show, like... Yeah, it's fun. it's it's hilarious. His time, I like. Uh, I don't know if you did. You ever listen to Sean Mooney's podcast when it was around? No. Tony was a guest on there one time. It's just that uh, Tony talked very negatively about having to live in Connecticut while his uh, during his WWF run, saying that the, basically he wasn't getting paid enough to <laughs> keep a house in Connecticut, which I found interesting uh, for. You know, such a large company because at that time I think WWF was during that golden era. It was one of the biggest uh, peaks in 1989 to 1980 or 1990 rather. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know Connecticut's expensive, but that was just wow <laughs> to, to hear that working for WWF that he couldn't afford to keep his house in in state. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no going. Um... Yeah, I listen to those podcasts. Uh, Chris Jericho, that uh, it, it, it's been hit or miss lately, but I mean, every now and then he's still, you know, especially too that he gets like you know a lot of the uh, rock and metal people on there too. There's um, sorry to cut you off, but some no, of the music, some of the music ones he does is really good because it's usually like one episode is like wrestling related, but he's also had people like in uh, that do like supernatural thing, you know, in yeah. involved in like supernatural, and sometimes they come on and it's very interesting, like he, mm. but. Like I said, his podcast is really hit or miss because sometimes I don't really enjoy it, and then there's other times he just talks about himself way too much. And then, and I've had, and we went on this whole rant last week on this show about like how I can't stand how he talks about himself so much. Like hey, did, did, yeah. Rick, did you know that Chris Jericho invented three matches that are now WWE play sets? 
Is this is this real or are you joking? According to him, it is. <laughs> oh really? Oh really? Well, that that's the only reason I said because um, actually, I, you know I, what? I have I, another friend who's really big into the pot into his podcast. He's just a big Jericho yeah. fan in general, like big fan of his wrestling, Fozzy, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I just I just brought it up because there was literally about three podcasts in a two week span where he mentioned to the guest that he oh really invent or helped create three matches that are now WWE play sets. That's interesting. Um, I must have missed those. So <laughs> I haven't listened to in a while, but I would need, I want to go back because uh, Thunder Rosa is on one of his most recent. Yeah. Ones. I haven't gotten to that one yet. And I'm a, and I'm a huge fan of hers. So mm. I don't know if she still does, but she followed me on Twitter for a while. So that was kind of, she follows me. She follows me, uh, which I thought was very interesting because I never knew it. And I just went to go check something. <laughs> She's following me. Holy shit. Like, she never likes anything of mine. <laughs> right. Like, Still. So, yeah. Yeah. So, what's your favorite social media accounts? Like, as far as wrestling goes. Hmm. That's really tough. It really um, is. Yeah, because for as much fun and insightful that Twitter can be, it can also be the most toxic by far. It's very stressful. Yeah. Uh, so, I try to back off a lot and just... The only thing I do nowadays is post these episodes every time they come out. I no longer try to communicate with anybody. I'll shoot messages to people, and that's about the extent of it. Yeah, no, and so, it really stinks. I mean, because that's, I mean, all I use yeah. it for is to, po- is to post pictures of, you know, my collectible right. stuff or my wrestling stuff. You know, I don't want to. Yeah. Because that, if you start trying to, like, engage in arguments with people and stuff like that, then the next thing you know, it's like, you know, you, you share one opinion that may not be popular, and then eight right. people you don't know are jumping on you and that eight turns into 80 and then you started world, world war three for no reason you know just because you said you didn't right. like somebody or something and it's just it, oh, it's freaking and stupid and people take things people take things out of uh, you know take it out of proportion and then you know you can call the racist you call the fat bump you know just like anything random you call crazy but uh you have to say our good buddy uh big daddy that's got to be my favorite <laughs> social media account because he's always He's pushing out content, and I, I always, oh, yeah. it, you know, but there's, you know, like I said, you can start a war at any given second. It, it's happened to me before, you know, and people will just start attacking my family, you know, just searching for pictures of me and my wife and then trying to, you know, do random stuff. I had a guy and I ended up having to report him because he was doing all this crazy shit to my, taking my picture. So I just said, you know, it's, it's just, it, social media could be the greatest thing in the world to help you grow your products but it could also be the most evil exactly and it's it's just so disappointing because i mean that that that's how i actually communicate with a lot of people in wrestling right through, you yeah. know facebook messenger is one of the greatest tools right. that i've had in this and you know even instagram you know you connect with people see a picture they see a video they'll shoot you a message mm-hmm. and you know so it, it it's like you said it's a tool and it's it's all in how you use it and i wish more people used it for positive means than to just push their agenda and push people's buttons, quite frankly. And right. it, it, it sucks, but that's 2020 for you. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. What else outside? Yep. I mean, you work, you work, you've done a few wrestling things that mm-hmm. uh, 2020 would allow. Yes, um, sir. Other than that, what have you been doing during the pandemic other than, you know, working and trying to keep busy with the other stuff? Well, I'll tell you what, because this is something that I, that I did on Saturday, um, okay. or, uh, the, uh, this past Saturday. Um, and so just to set it up, what I'll say is uh, the last time I went to a drive-in movie theater before 2020, I was in single digits in terms of age. So this is 20-plus <laughs> years ago now I'm talking. And... For whatever reason, I don't know why I remember, but one of the movies that I remember seeing as a kid with my parents was at the drive-in, at some drive-in movie theater was, uh, uh, what was it, George of the Jungle, I think it was, with Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember when it came out. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember much from that movie, but I, I know that was the one. But um, So th- that's one of the things I've actually done twice this year is I've gone to really? see uh, movies at, uh, at actually... Um, both of the last remaining drive-ins in Connecticut, uh, Pleasant Valley and uh, Mansfield. And it's it's something to do, you know, And because I, I used to love going to see movies in the theaters. You know, I, yeah, I, there was, 
I would go see for at least one a month, you know, uh, yeah. uh, up until the pandemic started and that all went away. But, um, one thing that was cool was, uh, the one in Pleasant Valley, the one I saw there was, uh, it was my spy, which was, uh, which was supposed to be released theatrically, but then it turned into an Amazon prime exclusive. So I got to see a movie on a big screen that, you know, wasn't, wouldn't be released on a big screen otherwise. And, uh, kind of, tied in with the wrestling thing it actually starred dave batista and he oh, was kind of okay. like a, it was like one of those kind of like uh you know buddy cop type movies with you know uh, oh i know the movie you're talking yeah, about now. yeah yeah i saw like, the ads with a little girl and stuff like yep. that and it was, it was corny at parts yeah but you know it was it was, it was you know, but but batista does really good as, as a fish out of water and in, in those types in those right. types of movies it was it was it was entertaining it entertained me for that night and uh I just uh, recently saw the uh, new mutant, the the new mutants, uh, the X Men movie up in uh, Mansfield this past weekend. Okay. So, See, I thought there was only one uh, drive-in left. Apparently, you just said that there was two, so that's mm-hmm. pretty exciting because um, mm-hmm. I haven't been to a drive-in theater since I was a little kid in the eighties. So, <laughs> single digits yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and I remember the last movie I saw in the drive-in was uh, E. T. Wow. So, so that's how far back I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, and it's it's such a great nostalgia feeling, too, because, I mean, we talked about, absolutely. you know, the vinyl records and the VHSs, and part of the reason that I like them is, is just because it gives you that, you know, nostalgic feeling. And right. it was just, it's just so cool, you know, just, you know, sit in your car or outside your car, you know, with a AM, AM FM battery powered transistor right. radio, you yeah. know, get, getting the, uh, getting the audio through that. And, yeah, you know, it's just you know the stars are out, and it's just it's just such a cool feeling, and it's, it's actually cons- something I'm probably going to keep doing, you know, now really? that I've experienced it again. Yeah. Do they have the concession stand like the booth that you? Oh yeah. Like just like the old days. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of movies that have been pushed back, you know, until 2021 or you know whenever this thing is over. Um, I know some movie theaters are open, but the plain old yep. older movies. I know somebody that just went and saw Major League in the theater. <laughs> movies in the fucking theater like again really <laughs> and they're like yeah it's like they're just playing old movies and i'm like i don't think i'd waste my time to go see that movie in the theater <laughs> but yeah. whatever i, I yeah. barely watch it when it's on cable but a lot of movies um were supposed to be you know theatrically released uh i just watched two movies this past week for you know I, one of them was supposed to be uh theatrically released but i went uh Amazon? I don't remember where, but I, I found it on online. Yeah. Did you watch the uh, third Bill and Ted movie? Did you see that yet? Uh, um, what was that? You shorted out the, a little bit there for a oh, second. Sorry, probably connection issue. The Bill and oh, Ted movie. That, the Bill and Ted movie that came out. Did you watch? You know that? what's funny is is that's playing in Mansfield next weekend. So oh, okay. And here's the thing, because I. I'm one of those people that like so bad they're good movies, and yeah. so the Mansfield has three screens, and the new Bill and Ted is one of them. So, and the and the uh, one of the other ones is Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, and okay. so okay. that that that's by far the cheesy. Well, it's debatable, but it it it's 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 cheesy, but in a good, in a fun way, you know, and, right. and that's part of its charm. And it's one of my favorite ones in that franchise. So okay. it's I, I I'm I'm fighting because, like I said, I just moved into the condo, so I've been spending money getting things, you know, uh, that right. that I need. Yeah. Like so, I'm debating on whether or not I want to spend the money and go first. And then if I do, it's like, which one do I watch? Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, or do I watch a new Bill and Ted? Like it's it, it, it's a much harder decision than it should be. <laughs> and and I, I don't know uh, what to do yet. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this much. The Bill and Ted was hard to sit through, especially seeing really? like I, I, you know, I grew up on the first two movies and I watched them all the time on cable. And I'm just like, they're grown adults acting exactly the same as they did back then. So it's it's just really really odd, you know. <laughs> Another movie I watched um, right after that in the same day was that David Arquette documentary on his journey into professional wrestling. Uh, have you seen it yet? I have not. Um, I actually, I, I have, I have a digital copy of it, so it, it's my intent to watch it. I just, it I just was, haven't gotten around to it yet. It's an amazing documentary. I mean, I'm gonna tell you now. I really, really enjoyed that. So I would watch it again. It's, it, it's hilarious. You know, he's oh, yeah. very comical. 
And it's funny because everybody in the, his family and stuff thinks he's nuts at like 48 years old getting into professional wrestling. You know, whatever. <laughs> hey, I, I got to give the guy all the credit in the world because absolutely, I, you know, he he even acknowledges that um, the, the WCW situation that he was in was a complete mess. And it's just the not. fact that he wanted to go out and redeem himself by right. doing it the right way, going through the indies, and and that that's just it, it takes a lot of balls to do that. And so I give him a lot of credit. I just got to say this: it's not his fault. You know, he's just doing oh, sure. what he was was told to do, and you know, it's just. But uh, people are right off the bat in the beginning of the documentary. They're like, "He killed WCW. It was his fault." He's just getting paid to do whatever he's doing, you know. So. Yeah. But he donated all the money. WCW. He donated. Yeah, that was a lot worse. He donated <laughs> all the money that uh, he made in WCW to, like, you know, Brian Pillman's family, apparently. Right. And, you know, and other uh, other families and such, the wrestlers that had passed their families. So, anyways, Matt, do you have anything else to add tonight? Um, well, let's see. Uh, I'm just going to do a couple cheap plugs on what I got com- coming up next. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Uh, the next uh, place that Matt DeCourt will be as of right now is, uh, I believe it's the, hold on, let me check my trusty calendar here. Yes. Right. Uh, Saturday, September 26th. I believe that's in a, a couple weeks. Uh, I'll be back at a uh, Ryder's Bar and Smokehouse up in Thomaston for Test of Strength, Fight for Your Dreams 3. Um, okay. That's shaping up to be a heck of a card. So if, uh, if you're able to, they got a, an outdoor event that's going to be under Pavilion. Last time it was great atmosphere. A lot of people came out. Looking okay. forward to uh, another good show uh, with uh, Test of Strength. And uh, then after that, October 3rd, uh, we have the Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, I'm looking we forward got to the- that one. Oh, absolutely. Really, we, got, really uh, uh, Go we got the four in previously announced inductees, Big Steve Tracy, Paul Perez, the Guardian of Chaos Big Daddy, Sergeant Murray, and I just read today that the fifth inductee is Mario Mancini. So, Congratulations, um, gentlemen. Yep, absolutely. Big congrats to, to all of them. Looking forward to seeing their inductions. And also, I think there's going to be uh, a few matches uh, that night as well. Okay, um, that's great to hear. Yeah, so definitely looking forward to that. And after that, uh, PAPW will be back for an outdoor event at uh, our home away from home, the Anatol. Um, and that's shaping up to be really good, too. I think Trayvon Jordan's on that card. Nutrius X is going to be back. Um, all right. You know, all, your, all, all the PAPW originals, all the PAPW favorites. Uh, Richard Holiday, I believe, is going to be there. MLW star Richard Holiday. Um, so that's shaping up to be good. And, uh, and a lot of the PAPW guys too, um, are, uh, going to, uh, have signed with, uh, the North American wrestling Alliance, NAWA. They're going to be coming back. Um, if you're a fan of old school wrestling, I know you are Rick. So oh, that'll, yeah. be, that'll be right up your alley and I hope it'll be right up some other people's alleys as well. So definitely support all these promotions. Um, uh, blood, sweat and tears will be back soon. Um, I'm just waiting to hear back from them on the date. Uh, Flash Waller's going to be taking on Lucas Chase. That, like I said, that's been brewing. That's been really awesome. So there's there's a lot of good things in the pipeline coming here in Connecticut in terms of local wrestling. So and I'm very glad to be a part of it, and I hope I can continue to be a part of it for as long as I can. And I hope I can t- continue to see you uh, and uh, a lot of all the other regulars at all the uh, you know, I'm events. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be at any show I can get 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 to. You know that oh, absolutely, my especially, friend. Especially the Paradise Alley shows. Uh, one more thing, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the uh, interwebs? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I am Matt DeCourt, D-A-C-O-R-T-E. Um, if you need to remember my last name, a friend of mine in college used to say, if you got a ticket, you take it to DeCourt. Um, so, <laughs> I know, cheesy as hell, right? But um, <laughs> anyway, so, so I am Matt DeCourt on Facebook, D-A-C-O-R-T-E. Um, you can find me at M-J-D-A-C-O-R-T-E on Twitter and Instagram. Um, like I said, I just post, you know, pictures of me in a suit with a microphone, uh, yelling people's names, or um, or stuff that's in my various collections. So uh, if you're a fan of uh, geek culture and pro wrestling, definitely check it out. Well, there you go. Matt, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rick. It was an absolute pleasure. I loved it. Thank you. That's all, folks.